Welcome to another episode. This show is coming out weekly. Thank you so much for the support of the show. The uh, the kind things that we are hearing about this podcast uh, make us want to keep doing it. Sometimes kicking and screaming, but still, we're doing it. My name Wait, is you Seth kick and scream? You kick and scream for time with me? Sometimes, yeah. This sometimes. is quality time together, Seth. I enjoy this every moment. <laughs> I don't always enjoy the content because, yeah, you know, this is content we have to do. We're stuck with doing it for good reason as Jews. Yeah. We're, you know, but I enjoy our time together, Seth. It just gets heavy. That's all I'm trying to say. I love doing it with you as well. The story of protest has been something that we've talked about recently on episodes. And most of them are peaceful yet demonstrative. You know, sometimes they uh, burn flags, you know, but sticks and stones, you know, uh, they can get ugly, but they haven't gotten violent. And then there's the story of Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot is a actress. Uh, she most famously played Wonder Woman in five movies or whatever it was. She, she's Wonder Woman. And she's brilliant as Wonder Woman. She's also a former Israeli soldier. And that should be noted. She served in the army, uh, according to her Wikipedia entry, actually, as a combat fitness instructor. So we know she was involved. Uh, definitely not quite on the front lines, which is probably of benefit to the world. Well, the, the idea, though, is, you know, the Israeli army, you know, whenever I've met somebody who's been in the Israeli army, like it, it, it feels like you're meeting James Bond. That's what it feels like. Like they are trained for everything. And I always got the per- perception that she's not just a warrior when she's playing a role, like that she could beat the crap out of anybody. There's a certain toughness to Israelis that they have to have, right? It, it's Israelis are known for their chutzpah. On average, you know, there are always people who do not necessarily fit that mold because this is the nation for our people where we will never be put into a position of weakness again, right? We refuse to be there, which, uh, of course, that was broken on October 7th, but there is a toughness that is pushed culturally. She's been an activist. She's used her social media to great benefit. In In my opinion, she's a wonderful follow on all forms of social media. Uh, she wanted to hold a screening of footage of the Hamas attack on Israel because her stance has been there's been so much rhetoric about the actual war. Let's not forget what started it. And what was the reaction to this? It got violent. Police officers were already out in force around the very ironic <laughs> named Museum of Tolerance. Uh, and the screening was a documentary that has been made bearing witness to the October 7th massacre. And there have been wild videos posted online showing people waving Israeli flags and physically brawling in the street with pro-Palestinian protesters, kicking and punching one another. Oh, gosh. I just find it astonishing that the anti-Israel activists are actually going so far as to deny what's what happened on October 7th. You know, it took decades before Holocaust deniers showed up. It took one day for October 7th deniers to show up. The Israeli foreign ministry, as far as I understand it, released this footage when they realized that 
they needed to give some evidence of what took place. From what I understand, the people who saw this footage said this is the worst thing they've ever seen in their lives, the most yeah. horrific thing. There's no certain... If it, if, if it appears on a streaming service, I'm not watching. Oh, no, no. It's... Uh... Yeah, these are images that no one should have to see, or even more so, no one should have to experience. Uh, and they released it to the public because they needed this information to get out there. They released it to uh, different influencers and actors to be able to get that message out there. And critics actually say, well, this might pose a problem because with these deniers, They'll see what was on there and then they'll say, yeah, but babies weren't beheaded on the video. Therefore, that didn't happen. Right. Some are saying these videos don't actually show enough. But I, I think the overall point is, is that you have fist fights breaking out because someone showed evidence of what Hamas did in Israel. All right. Here, listen, listen and react. Here you go. Uh, the L.A. Times, uh, an unnamed protester. You have a film that is being shown at a time when people are calling for a ceasefire. The, the screening is only for a few privileged people, and it doesn't lead to conversation. Is he wrong? Oh, screw the ceasefire. I'm sorry. It, it, it This person has well, no idea what they're saying. I think he's using the word ceasefire wrong. Again, there yeah. has been a huge outpouring for a pause. That, that, yeah. That's that been documented for, for multiple weeks now. It comes. It's very difficult to actually not be anti-Semitic if you're anti-Zionist. Unless you are evening, uh, even in saying you are anti any country, right? We are not the only nation state formed out of World War II, right? So why would you pick on this one particular country to be against their formation than any other country? Because, you know, we are perfectly aware that any other country that was formed had people who lived there before, had people who were displaced by war, right? This is a standard formation of countries that is significantly less than ideal, but this has been modus operandi even in the 90s. So why say specifically you're anti-Zionist, what you're after a religious state for the Jewish people. Well, no, guess what you're what? saying is we do not mind Judaism. I, I, I understand what they're trying to say is they're not against uh, Judaism. We have talked about you and I. Um, you can be pro Judaism and not support a decision Israel makes. Correct. That's what they're saying. Well, but that's not what they're saying. If they're saying they're anti-Zionist, if they are. To be anti-Zionist means you are against the idea that the Jews get to have their nation state in the land of Zion in Israel. Anti-Zionist is not having a problem with Israeli policies. Anti-Zionist, but, but that's a political stance. You can be anti-Zionist and not be anti-Jewish. I don't think, though, that you're actually not anti-Jewish if you really think about it. Right. If you are anti-Zionist, what you're saying is the Jews do not get to have that country in the way that any other country were perfectly OK with them having those nations. Right. So what makes it well, I, what I is what different saying, about but... this nation state? It's that it is the Jewish nation. No, but this right. has been a topic on the podcast before. We've talked about Israel is a country. And you have yes. to look at it as a country in global politics. As opposed yes. to the promised land. 
But even then, if you're looking at it as a country in global politics and you are anti-Zionism, then you're saying you're anti the existence of Israel. Right. So well, I'm not tell saying me. they're right. right. I'm not saying right. they're right. But no, I'm that's why I'm saying that even, even if they don't fully understand what they're saying, as soon as they just apply any deep thought to what they are arguing, what they're saying is other countries get to exist. Israel doesn't have a right to exist. Why? Well, Israel displaced some people when they were living there. Guess what? A lot of people fled to right. a lot of the those people, people who think were... that Israel occupied and forced Palestine out when right. it was British. And by the way, a lot of the people, a lot of the Jews who were there were already in the land of Israel. They were there for decades. They were there for centuries, some of them. And guess what? When you have something like a civil war, which, you know, war of independence, if you want to say that it, even if it were only internal, there are winners and there are people who don't win. This was not a civil war, right? This was every other Arab nation declaring war on Israel. So, yes, yeah, some some Arabs were forcibly displaced. Some of those Arabs had attacked our people before. Some weren't and were victims of it. Some left because the Arab countries told them to leave. And then they said Israel's going to be annihilated. You get to go back in there. There are difficult parts of any national formation. But unless you're going to say the United States needs to be dismantled and given back to the Native Americans, either they are just not applying any intellectual consistency to their thinking or uh, actual critical thought, or, or they're, they're anti bias. Exactly. Okay. When it finally, uh, when the film ended, uh, IDF Lieutenant Colonel Amnon Scheffler, I hope I'm saying the name correctly. Uh, yeah, Amnon Amnon. Uh, Not Steven... to be confused with the Amnon who makes the kosher pizza in the Costco aisles. Okay. Uh, he stated that the military is now trying to, quote, minimize civilian harm in its bombardment of Gaza, according to Rolling Stone. Gilad Erdan, the Israeli Gilad Erdan. Say it again. Gilad Erdan. Uh, she spoke uh, at the screening, said this video will change the way you view the Middle East, called Hamas sheer evil, drawing applause when she called for eradicating the genocidal group. That's fair. That's the message. Th the message think... is it's Hamas. And yeah. the, and the, 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 the Palestinians caught in the crossfire, Hamas didn't let you leave. And a lot of these protesters seem to think that people all over the world value life and approach life in the same manner that these Western kids do, right? The term that I've heard used by one Harvard professor, it's rather progressive about a lot of these uh, people are that they're righteous idiots, right? Not every person thinks in this modern mentality. Even plenty of Israelis come from authoritarian regimes. They come from Arab countries, forcibly displaced. They come from Russia, fleeing persecution, right? Not everyone thinks in the same way that we do, and not everyone has the same progressive approach to let people live, and there will be peace as long as I have my place here. No, some people like particularly like Hamas, do not behave in the way that we would expect human beings to behave. And I think this has made it abundantly clear, right? Uh, so recently at B'nai Abraham, 
we had uh, as an incredible speaker, Abe Foxman. He is the director emeritus of the Anti-Defamation League. He worked there for 50 years. He is someone who was very young when he survived the Holocaust. He lived in a small town in Poland because he was taken in at three years old by his Catholic nanny and baptized into Catholicism and raised that way until a few years later when uh, when he was freed. And he is the kind of guy who has the ear still of plenty of presidents and prime ministers. He uh, went in for a meeting with Netanyahu just a couple of weeks ago, You know, spoke regularly with Biden, with Obama, with Bush. Uh, everyone. And he was talking about the pullout from Gaza with Arik Sharon, uh, Ariel Sharon, prime minister a number of years ago. And Arik Sharon was the one who initiated the Gaza pullout, where we essentially left Hamas, sorry, left the Palestinians with that whole territory of Gaza to do with it as they wish. And we left them all of the infrastructure, which included greenhouses, right? The homes were left untouched that the Jews left with the idea of giving the Palestinians a head start. And what I had never heard before, and this was from a conversation with Arik Sharon that Abe Foxman had, was that Arik Sharon had no miscon- uh, he had no belief that this was actually going to bring, a- bring about peace. And so Foxman said to Sharon, so why are you doing it? And Sharon said, everyone's saying, they want land, they want land. You give them land, you'll have peace. This way, Hamas will show their two color, their true colors, that they are not actually after just that piece of land, they are after us. And then Foxman said, and what happens if you're wrong? And Sharon said, then we'll have peace. The whole giving of Gaza in Sharon's mind was a test, just to really demonstrate to the world the monsters that we're dealing with. Yeah, which is so depressing. It really is. And prescient. It really is. Uh, this is what people really don't understand. Yes, care about the innocent Palestinians, by the way, who will pose a challenge because even these innocent Palestinians have been raised on Hamas doctrine, on Hamas textbooks. So we have an entire generation that before this war thought we were monsters and how is it that we could ever peacefully live with an entire people who has been trained on thinking about our destruction every day? Right. That's not how we're trained. Yes, there are bad apples out there, but this is not how Israelis are raised. You have plenty of people in Israeli society, Jewish, who advocate for the Palestinians, who chase the human rights, who push for a different kind of state. You have Arabs who seek to end the Jewish state who are actually part of the Israeli parliament, the Knesset. Can you imagine any of that taking place in uh, even the West Bank? How can we have peace? How can there even be talk of a ceasefire when this is not a war between people who both want ultimately peace with the other? One side wants peace with the other. The other side wants the other gone and dead. That, so ceasefire, that doesn't work. The pause, that language of a humanitarian pause, that 
can make some sense, right? Let people regroup for a little bit, maybe in spots while leaving the war going on. But it's fully reasonable to say, well, if the Gazans need a humanitarian pause, let the let them give back the hostages. Right. Well, that's the that's the issue. Give back right. the hostage. That's what they've right. said. Right. The responsibility cannot only be on Israel. There was an op-ed in the New York Times the other day. And by the way, my approach to a lot of these op-eds, I skim the paper in the morning briefly over coffee with my kids at the table before I get them to school. So I usually don't make it to the op-ed section. So I rely on people to tell me. There's this Brett Stevens column that says, for America's Jews, every day must be October 8th. Right. The attacks happen on October 7th and every day must be October 8th. He starts off by saying that he knows that at some point, if not still, there was a sign in the CIA's headquarters that read every day is September 12th. Right. The day when after September 11th, we realize that we can't take things for granted and that we have to be angry and that we have to act because our perspectives tend to soften over time. Right. We move back to our idealism. We move back to a place of hope. We heal. But there are some things where it may be foolhardy to heal if you have not actually dealt with the symptom, because then it'll come back and bite you in the ass. Right. The perpetrators of 9-11 had to be dealt with. And a year later, just because it's a year later doesn't mean you have to let down your guard. October 7th told us that there is no peace with Hamas. It told us what their long game is, but Brett Stevens actually focused on something else, which was focusing on the American experience, because what we learned on October 7th and October 8th and October 9th is that a lot of these people who we thought were our friends don't actually care about us. Right, We learned that these institutions that we allied with, that I do a lot of social justice work. I do a lot of uh, protesting and standing up for human rights. A lot of these folks are happy to stand up for human rights as long as they're not ours. Because it's not just at this point, October 8th, it wasn't them talking about the conditions of the Palestinians. It was them justifying Hamas. It was people literally celebrating on the streets of Manhattan and college campuses of what Hamas did to us. Right? Uh, he wrote, our friends are not those members of the Black Lives Matter movement whose stickers and lawn signs so many American Jews, even synagogues, posted an allyship after George Floyd's murder. How many of us, including myself, argued that while there might be anti-Semites involved in Black Lives Matter, overall the principle is important. Because people were not thinking that Black Lives Mattered. And yet, now there's leadership in this organization who argues that Hamas is right. I, how is it that we can continue to stand with folks who are who have demonstrated that they are up for the people who seek to kill us all? I find myself softening my approach, thinking, you know what? I have to be able to re-engage with these folks i have to build back bridges because they're important and maybe i can forgive them for not reaching out again but that happens again and again and again and i think this is a helpful reminder that it doesn't mean we can't 
act. And he doesn't say you still have to do the work. You know, it takes a more conservative approach. I think we still have to do the work of social justice, but we can also never forget that these people were not here for us whatsoever. We'll remember the people who were, and there were people who spoke to different minority groups who we've allied with, but the silence is far greater. How do you react to this? The weirdest part about it is how the rhetoric has changed. And when you read that piece, you're taken back to that weekend. And I remember talking to you that weekend. You know, we've told the story before. We talked about taking a break with the podcast, and then we said we can't. Yeah. And that's what my takeaway was. There was such a sentiment. It was that rally in... um, uh, the temple where where uh, Mikey Sherrill spoke. You you remember you remember that was the Sunday night. That was maybe thirty six hours after the attack. Yeah, and the rhetoric was so different, and there were strangers gathering together all over the world. And slowly, but really not slowly, the rhetoric changed. And what that article essentially says is remember the emotion you had then that should fuel your resolve yeah nothing can change until this matter is resolved we're not safe otherwise right we're still seeing uh more and more protests right there was a building uh just yesterday i believe covered in paris covered in jewish stars right, as some kind of anti-Semitic act. There was someone uh, killed in a protest uh, on the West Coast. This is very real. There was a, uh, you know, a a picture on the bathroom in in the local high school accusing Israelis of actual genocide. This is just propaganda. Israelis are doing many things. Genocide is absolutely not one of them. The theory behind all of that especially in the things in high school is where are they getting the information from yeah you know is it parents is it tiktok you know what what is it yeah social i mean plenty of social media where we know that uh, there are plenty of people putting up the propaganda right we know russia is egging hamas on so so you know we are in the rabbinic fashion when we preach supposed to finish with what we call an achemta always end on a point of comfort when you read the book of lamentations which is the book of total devastation for the people you know our experience relived of when the temple was destroyed the second last line is hashivenu adonai elecha v'nashuva hadesh yamenu kikedem return us to you o god and we will come back renew ourselves uh, renew us as of days of old it's a message of hope of asking god for support and then there's another line afterwards of devastation. And so to avoid ending on that piece, we return to that Hashivenu line for something that's a little bit more uplifting. What is our Nechemta right now? What is our message of hope to finish this episode? I, I, I don't know. I want to try to find something positive. I'm not seeing enough positives out there. Um, there is support, like you mentioned, but it's being dwarfed by the anti. I, I, I don't know. Tell me something. I would suggest that there are still more people who support us who have the power to make a difference. And we are never going to quiet down. We Jews are fighters. We are one of the oldest civilizations on the planet. We have been through worse. We 
are the only ancient civilization that survived for thousands of years without a homeland, without being able to determine our own fate. We will outlive these folks too.